Welcome everyone to Anonymous Addiction at My Truth About AA, as Bobby C sees it, and I'm Bobby C. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about deprogramming. The topic today is going to be mental health awareness and the AA programming, because what we're doing is deprogramming from all this AA uh, cult mentality stuff. And Dan, I met Dan Joyce probably last week. Uh, we have a we have a Facebook uh, a couple Facebook groups in common on deprogramming podcasts, and uh, he happened to type in who is Bobby C, and that got my attention. I think he did it on purpose. I don't know, but it, it got my attention, and, and I I kind of uh, DM'd him or messaged him. I said, Dan, come on the podcast. Let's do something together. So I, I checked out his websites and his different types of uh, promotional websites. He's got. He's into all kinds of stuff, but he's into mental illness awareness, mental health awareness. And I'm going to let Dan introduce himself. So, Dan, I'm going to put it right over to you. Back to you. Yeah, my name is Dan Joyce, and uh, I'm into mental health awareness. I started getting into mental health awareness, if Bobby lets me tell the story a bit. Um, I, I was a roommate with a, with a man in um, a mental hospital, maybe 1996, when I got sober for, the, for 18 years. And I say sober because abstinence is complicated. And, and so about, about 2011 or so, he, he had become homeless, this man, and he was beaten to death by the police department. I went to the art gallery, the art colony in the area, and they all had their causes, gay rights, black rights, woman rights. I wasn't gay, I wasn't black, I wasn't a woman. So I chose mental health awareness because of the man had been killed and there was a big to do over it. And it's been my issue ever since. Anybody who knows me knows that I talk. It's not an easy thing to talk about. You don't, you don't come up and say, hi, I'm mentally ill, although I kind of do. My sponsor in AA says, don't tell people you see a psychiatrist. I said, yeah, they figure it out. It's not hard to figure out, <laughs> you know. Right. So um, that's my issue. And it's been my issue in AA for a lot of years because they just don't handle it well. Okay, let's talk about some things that, that you can help others deprogram themselves from Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, here you're coming in, uh, you said 1996, you, you started going to Alcoholics Anonymous. And mm -hmm. let me hear the transition a little bit. What, what are some of the things that kind of like really sounded crazy and really messed with your head during the process in Alcoholics Anonymous and you having some mental health issues? Well, I actually started Alcoholics Anonymous about 1985 or before I was a teenager. And I was sent to my mother's psychiatrist, kind of coerced to my mother's psychiatrist who sent me to AA because it was his latest kick. He went to Al-Anon saying that he had patients that were in AA and they kicked him out, which is kind of funny, which kind of shows the, the professionality of AA, Al-Anon and this psychiatrist. And so I had to go to AA and um, eventually there was a night where I wanted to go out. I had no money. I'd been studying for school. I hadn't had a drink in about six months for some odd reason. And I went to AA and they love bombed me. And that's when it began. I heard that. They all drank. They all drank. They all drank like fish. They got up there and they told these wild, crazy, funny, insane stories about it getting trash beyond reason. And they made it sound cool. And that's when my drinking really started because I wanted to be one of them. You know what? Let me check it. You, you were the second person today that said love bombing. It, you know, you come in there, they're hugging, they're embracing, they're holding hands. You got this connection. So it's, it's, it's kind of like we're vulnerable. We want something and we want to join because it feels so good. I, I can relate to that, Dan. Go ahead. 
Keep on going. Yeah, so the love bombing was really strong in the beginning. The, the I'll be your friend forever. Uh, we're, we're friends for life. And then, of course, none of these people were. They became nightmares, you know. And um, shortly after NDA, for for a period of time, I went off my meds on their on their condition. I was getting the highest grade in my class in Pascal. Do you know what Pascal is? It was an old computer language. It was very complicated. I can be very bright when I'm manic. So I was getting the highest grade and then everything tripped out. Everything freaked out, messages from the TV, hallucinations. And I tried to kill myself because a girl I liked broke my heart. And so I was in a coma for three days. They hung up on me when I told them I was trying to kill myself. They hung up on me. Great, great therapy there. And so um, they, they called my mom because of some legal thing they were doing with me. They wanted to serve papers on someone. And so they called my mom and she told me I was in a coma. I tried to kill myself. When I got back to them, this is the worst part of it all. When I got back to them and they found out I tried to kill myself, instead of comforting me for living, they taunted me for not being able to do it. And that became a dare that went on with them for years. Could I kill myself? And it was an insane dare that I fell into. But still, it shows a vulnerable person who is weak getting beat up by AA. So, no, that, things, so in other words, you came in and, and you weren't, they, they kind of make you feel like you're not doing something right. You're, you're not working the steps hard enough. You're not, you know, you're not yeah. getting no sponsor. You're not telling them the right things. You're not doing the right things. So something must be wrong with you, which there's something wrong with everybody. I can relate to your story because I'm going to, I'm going to say it right here. Years and years and years ago, I met a friend. I still, he's still, I still consider him my friend. His name was Paul. And Paul had, he, he was diagnosed with uh, uh, paranoid schizophrenia. And I can relate to your story because we talked prior. And he used, I used to pick him up and go to meetings. And sometimes he'd go off his meds. I wouldn't see him for a week. He'd be in Ancora, which is a psychiatric hospital, until he readjusted his meds, went to some group, and then came back to the meeting. He called me and said, hey, Bobby, come pick me up. I feel better, blah, blah, blah. So I can really relate. And you know what? I I worked I worked at I end up working in a psychiatric hospital for about fifteen years. Kind of strange, kind of weird. And, and and the patients used to call me crazy. Eventually, at that at that particular time in my life. But getting back getting back, Dan, uh, tell us some more about the, some of this crazy stuff that happened in Alcoholics Anonymous during your episodes. Well, well, initially I joined a, a, a cult group. I, I separate cult groups from regular AA groups because regular AA groups, you can go home and have a life. But this group was called Dog on the Roof, a, a satellite group of the Pacific group. And they said, we're, we stay in numbers, we're strong, like a gang. And they said, uh, they wanted me to drop out of school. And this is where I really said, wait a second, this ain't right. Why do I kind of drop out of school? Because these guys are all dumb. They're dumb as hell. And I don't want to be a dumb guy. And they say, what's the matter, Dad? I said, I've been an alcoholic for two weeks and already I've dropped out of school and joined a gang. <laughs> well, know? now you're talking about Pacific Group, Alcoholics Anonymous, Pacific Group? It was a satellite group of the Pacific Group that was in the area. Don't okay, but, but is, it, is it still Alcoholics Anonymous? Yes, well, okay. I mean, it's still Alcoholics Anonymous, but with their own rules. Right, know? right, 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 right. It was a cult group. Right. And I got out of there and I, I said to myself, if you go into a house, you don't go in one room and say it's no good to have a house and don't buy it, right? But then I found the way that the Pacific group and these cult groups found their way to get their dogma into the mainstream groups. They would have speakers that were very, very good speakers. They could make you laugh. They could make you cry. They could hit you with the message. They had their speech down. And they'd come to our regular groups 
I hate to separate call groups from regular groups because in, in the deprogramming groups, they don't separate them. But these regular everyday, you know, nine to five, going to the meetings on the weekends groups, we'd hear their dogma and the pitches. And, and one of them was against the medicines. They hated the medicines, which I could understand because some of the medicines can be pretty fucked up. I make a joke in my book, um, Thorazine, an unpleasant vacation from thought. Ask your doctor about Thorazine if you don't want to do anything all day. So some medicines can be a lot. But the medicines I was taking weren't doing that. I was taking um, some light medicines at the time. I don't remember what they were. And I wasn't zonked out. And I wasn't getting messages or hallucinations. I was doing fine. I do quite well on the medicines. There was one sponsor whose wife, I guess, told him. And he said to me, the medicines block your communication with God. I don't get that. I don't see how you could come to it. She says, well, you see, alcohol blocks you from God. I said, they got wine at the church, bitch. You know, <laughs> what are you talking about? And um, and so I got this anti-medicines, and then 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 they go into therapy. They want to interfere with your therapy. A sponsor said to me, You got a therapist, which I started with a new therapist this week because I was getting nightmares from the book. I had I, I got a therapist, says, What's this therapist gonna do for you? I said, the stuff you don't, you just work the steps and you know, and take care of alcohol. I got other issues, you know. Now, did they did they did they mention to you that uh, because you're on medication you're really starting over you're not clean and sober? Pacific Group did that. Pacific Group, I told you this story and I'll tell you it again. They said to me, Dan, we'll make a deal with you. You can come here and take your med. I liked Pacific Group. They're very hospitable people. It reminded me of. Have you read the book Walden Two by B. F. Skinner? No. It's about an old cult, and it's very uh, how everything's designed to make you comfortable. So. Uh, they said to me, you, you can come to the groups, but you'll always be a newcomer if you take the medicines. So I made a deal with them because I kind of liked them. I said, do I still get to go to the watches and have hamburgers at two in the morning with you guys? They said, yeah. Do I still get rides to the meetings? They said, yeah. I said, do I still get to go to the, to the park and play baseball with Clancy and have hot dogs and, and ice cream while a woman play volleyball? They said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm a newcomer. And so I just went to them. They wanted me to, they, I, I didn't get kicked out. I didn't leave them. They wanted me to get a job, which is kind of understandable. I, I think so. Even though I wasn't capable of holding a job, seeing and hearing shit. But um, they wanted me to get a job. And I got a, the only job I could get in LA was a background actor. Uh, I call it a background actor. They, they call it background artist because that makes an extra. And I did that. But because of the rap times, you don't go home until they tell you to go home. I couldn't make the meetings. So I went to another group, started going to another group. So I was in the Pacific group for about two years. Do I have resentments? Well, one guy threw me against a wall for saying I was sober. There's, there's a guy I don't like. But for the most part, they were very, they love bomb at this Pacific group. They love bomb you good. And I was always a newcomer, so I was always getting love bomb. The girls, the guys, they all, you know, they were nice to me. There were jokes about my medication. There were inappropriate jokes. But for the most part, what Clancy provided when he was alive, was in the middle of a city that's very dangerous. I would walk up in the middle of the night and bum cigarettes off of gangbangers. That's how dumb I am. So in the middle of a big city like Los Angeles in Venice, Clancy provided a suburban culture, which was a bubble. You're in a bubble. Here's where the 13th step really begins. Because you want to get a relationship. You want to find a girl, but none of the girls outside of the bubble are safe to you. So you're in the bubble. So you're going to be looking for girls in the group who are vulnerable and whatever, or just trained against you. And it's really kind of a trap psychology that a man puts himself in, when a single man puts himself in when going to AA, 
because you think that in the bubble, the girls in AA are safe, the safe ones, or the girls in AA are going to be looking for guys in the bubble, which they may not be. So it's a very dangerous thing. You know, in my, in my video series and in my book, I go a lot into my sex life for some reason, because I wrote a four-step basically this way, because I was writing my autobiography. I was painting a portrait of myself as a psych patient, strictly as a psych patient, and I had to have a format that for, and the only format for autobiography I knew was a fourth step. So it's kind of like that. And it may bother some people the way the, the detail I go to, I've been having nightmares about what I've written and stuff, but so, and, and, the, and the video documentary series goes really deep into my life that way, you know, it's, and I don't talk about the, it's kind of funny. I don't talk about the resentments. I talk about the people I like and I roast them, make jokes about them. And the fears, you can see the fears as I go on in, in through the story. And the sex life, I don't look where I was selfish in sex. I look at the people that had sex with me and I thank them. <laughs> Let's, uh, I'll just touch base and I'll just say that if you want to check out Dan Joyce over there on YouTube, he's got, uh, have you taken your meds? Yeah, what's, yeah have you, show your shirt. Uh, stand up and show your shirt there. Yeah, th that's, that's what you'll see on YouTube. Have you taken your meds by you, Dan you, Joyce? So we're going to just take it there. I want to I want to continue down the road when it's the programming uh, talk about Alcoholics Anonymous. So you left the Pacific Group. Tell us about other types of groups outside of the Pacific Group. Because wasn't Clancy the kind of guru? Clancy was the Clancy guy. Was a guru. Clancy he, was a leader. He was a very charismatic man. Commanded. A, I've never met a man who commanded so much respect as Clancy. He didn't demand respect. I, I've been to jail where you fear respect. But Clancy demanded, commanded respect. He was a very charismatic man. He was funny, he was charming, and he could talk you into jumping off a bridge. Yeah, so that's the danger of a cult. He actually was, he was a, a leader of a cult, you know? And yeah. if I, and if I, I have definitions, I don't have them in front of me, but if I look up, if I look up the definitions of a cult uh, mentality, which is, um, let's see, the cult is a cult is a social group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or by its common interest in particular personalities, like Clancy, or Bill W. or Dr. Bob, and by objects like the coins and the medallions and all the little gadgets that we receive every year, or by the gold, which is a lifetime devotion. And and Clancy really had a, this this charismatic, which is a cult mentality uh, leadership of demanding a devotion. devotion. But I, would say, I would say being in the cult wasn't that bad. It was very alluring. It was very easy to get drawn in. Yeah, I, could tell, I could tell by the older members that once they were in, they couldn't get out. Okay, so it was attractive to a lot of people. That's why they. That's why yeah, they're yeah, in. Well, I was like older members that some were miserable, and once they were in, they couldn't get out. Okay, or you, you left though the Pacific group. Let's talk about a little more. Well, about I went to the main groups in my hometown. I ended up homeless in L.A. I, I do homeless well. I take a guitar, get a sketch pad. I can get all all around L.A. with a, a guitar and a sketch pad. I mean, the other homeless people called it camping. What I was doing, you know, but I ended up coming back to my dad's house and going to school where well, I got engaged to a woman from the program, but I told her I didn't want to go to program. I told her I didn't want to go to program 
and that she could go to a program, just don't talk about us. And she wanted to be an AA couple. Oh my God, you've probably seen that, Bobby. The nightmare of disaster of an AA couple. Those, aren't, those don't last. And so um, we broke up, but I, I went back for her because she started drinking again, thinking I wanted her to drink. And I, I didn't know that there was freedom model and moderation. I didn't know, so I took her back to AA. Well, what, another suicide effort, I get suicidal with them. They, they kind of dared me to get suicidal. They didn't believe I was going to kill myself. And that's a very dangerous dare for them to put on me. But I called a man apparently in the middle of the night, told him I'm going to commit suicide and he offered me a gun. And he went around bragging that he was going to give me a gun in the meetings. That he was going to give me a gun to shoot myself. So this talks about this in the book. Um, he's going to give me a gun to shoot myself. And um, so I decided he thought it was funny. I called him in the middle of the night. Suicidal. I called him in the middle of the night a bunch of times. My girlfriend got that joke, but he didn't. And so I got a restrainer and these guys were following me. They found me at my work. They found me at the gym. They found me at, they found me at um, the school. They found me at, at my apartment in an undisclosed location with a security out of the door. Anonymity is an amazing thing, Bobby. They can find you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, anonymity. Let's talk about anonymity. Is there such a thing in Alcoholics Anonymous? How about a court card? You get a court card, you get sent, somebody gets sent by, by the courts and you're supposed to fill out, I filled out many, many of them. I come out of a basket and I put Bobby C and, and uh, I check, yeah, you were there. How could they ever call me? They can't call me. They never call me. They never call anybody. It's a big scam, that court ordered uh, anonymity thing to a, a Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Where's there, the separation of church and state? There's no separation of church and state there. Is there, Dan? There was a contestment going on while I was going to meetings that we'll just sign your court card for you. You don't have to go to the meetings. And they were contesting the court card, some members that way. But yeah, you could just take a blue pen and then a pink pen and then a, and then a red pen and just sign in names. And, and it's just as good. Just a joke. So go ahead and, and let's let's talk more about the, some of the things. Do you go to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings now? No, no. Uh, okay. So... Let's talk I'm, in about recovery home. I'm in a recovery home right now, but it's not AA. Okay. I mean, if, if you relapse, they'll send you to AA, but they didn't even do that to my roommate who was doing math. They got rid of them. But um, so it's, it's, AA. none of the guys do AA, and it's it's pretty it's pretty mellow compared to what you would expect from a, from a recovery home. So is it fair to say that you're you don't use uh, you, I mean you use proper medication. For yeah, your, right, you use medicine, uh, proper medication, which is uh, prescribed to you. So your alcohol, you know, you don't use it's alcohol and drugs. The medicine isn't all of it. AA and um, some members of AA and the general population think the medicine's going to cure everything. The medicine can cure some of it, but you have to really program your brain to recognize your symptoms when they come out. How do they come out? When I have too much coffee, for example or when I'm, when I'm in a new group of people and I think they're talking about me. These are things that maybe everybody would get. I'll give you an example. You're at a cafeteria, you're sitting at a table by yourself. There's a group of people at another table laughing. Now, Bobby, I don't know if you've been there, but you might think they're laughing at you. So you have to train your brain to recognize when this is going on or not. When it's bad with me, it hits the television. I start to think they're making inferences of me on the television. Um, when I'm under too much stress, I lost my job, I lost my home, I lost my car recently. I was under a lot of stress. And I was, I was walking down the street from getting a pack of cigarettes. 
And all of a sudden, have you ever seen Doctor Who? Uh, no. All, all of a sudden, Doctor Who hit Victoria Boulevard at me that night, and I was seeing all kinds of shit, and I freaked out. And I know from my patterns that this was just too much stress. I lost my home. I lost my job. That's a lot of stress on somebody. And so uh, what I do uh, to train my brain is enjoy the hallucination, enjoy the illusion. So what are you, what is that? What have the doctors diagnosed you? Uh, In the past, it was schizophrenic. In the past, it was because I think as I done my journaling and my writing in my life, I was taking acid back then. So of course I was showing signs of schizophrenic. Not just when I was in the acid, but off because it stays in your brain. It's all been out of my brain, but I'm very bipolar. You can tell I'm a little worked up right now because I had some coffee this morning, a little excited to be on the show. So I could be a light hypomania, what they call it. They train us a lot in outpatient. They train us a lot to recognize our symptoms, to recognize the patch. And it's sad because it's really dis discredited by the general population as babysitting what an outpatient is. Outpatient does a lot of great things for people. With great education you'll get on my loans. I could probably be... I could probably take a test as good as a therapist from what I've learned about the symptoms and the signs of mental illness throughout patient. Of course, I believe you can, because you're a professional. I, I consider you a professional of your own life journey. And that's what I talk about on my yeah. podcast. We're, we're creating our own programs. Dan has his own program. He's on YouTube. He's, a, he's an artist. Uh, he's involved with uh, YouTube. He's, 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 he's an advocate for mental health awareness. So he's creating his own programs. He, he's go, he goes to group. He's still, he's, we're still teachers and students together. And we're learning, uh, we're sharing, we're giving, uh, we're helping people learn some things and we're learning some things from other people. And uh, that's why I wanted to have Dan, Dan on because what, what are the, the, the negative things of mental health and being in Alcoholics Anonymous? What would you tell, what would you, what would you tell, where would you tell people to go that had a problem with alcohol and drugs that had also mental illness? Well, it doesn't treat mental illness, but what I'm recommending to a friend, I had a friend, she was, we were really close. I wrote books about her. You can read one of them. I'll send them to you. Alison Jolly is, is this her surname in my books. And she was bipolar and very good looking. And she, they sent her to me to see if we could help each other. Two bipolar people help each other. The blind leading the blind. One day she takes a Vicodin and they, they goes back to the group and tells her this because she, she wasn't supposed to and they shamed her to death. I don't know what they did to her, but they broke her. She was a Christian woman. She come to me crying, tears out of her eyes. I don't believe in God anymore. And so she became homeless and I've been telling her about the freedom model which offers, which offers um, moderation. All she does now is talk AA and drink. She's got what they call the head full of AA and the belly full of booze and it's killing her. So I'm telling her about the freedom model because they don't do that. They don't dogma, they research their facts. I think there's a lot of groups out there. I looked into SMART, SMART didn't want me because I was already abstinent. I looked into the freedom model and they're helping me. And, um, there are a lot of groups out there now that are good. Harm reduction. I don't know about harm reduction. It seems a little, I think you'd have to be a heroin addict or a hardcore meth addict to really benefit from harm reduction because you have to less, because there you obviously have to lessen the harm because it's fatal. There's hams. It's called hams and it's for alcohol. It's a harm reduction yeah. for, for alcohol. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm into all those groups too. I like, um, I, I myself, 
became a smart recovery facilitator and I ran some smart recovery groups. I like the little book for $15. Uh, it has a lot of, a lot of good CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is excellent. It works well yeah. on and it's, you know, it's a small book and it's very simplistic. It's about rational and irrational thinking. And it kind of, it kind of discovers our minds, you know, because the whole thing is, is, is about here. So it seems like you're learning how to, let's say, uh, manage, manage your thinking. And that's what it's all about. Well, I hate to promote it, but the Freedom Model got mad at me because I, was, I do this. Monica got mad at me on the deprogramming group. Because I spam my stuff, my coffee cups and everything, you know, but they've been very, very helpful. And I watched their videos and of all the groups I would recommend, they're the most, what I tell them is they're the most intelligent. And if there's one thing AA desperately lacks, it's intelligence. Well, we're not here to promote any group. This, I don't promote. We suggest, we make some suggestions. I belong to uh, Monica's, I I really like Monica Richardson. She was like one of the, Monica's terrific. So many years ago, she started the 13 step, uh, uh, you know, awareness about the 13 step in Alcoholics Anonymous. Me and her have a lot in common. I like the harms. I like harm reduction, you know, but look, me personally, I'm an abstinent guy. And, and people will say, well, Bobby, you're abstinent. Does that mean you believe in the disease model and the alcoholism? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not powerless. I don't have a disease. I don't believe in alcoholism. I just choose to be abstinent. No big deal. Okay? Well, abstinence, abstinence versus drinking is to me a lot like Pascal's wager. If you lose, you're going to drink yourself to oblivion. If you win, you get a beer. It doesn't seem to count. Why have a beer? What do I get? I'm taking that risk. I had a beer last New Year's, not this last one, but the one before. And I didn't like it after all the years. I don't really like drinking anymore. I did. I, didn't, I did it when I was young to be macho. I was a very macho guy. I had a leather jacket, went in the bottle with a pint of whiskey in my pocket. You know, very macho guy. And I noticed from my book that I tend to do everything everybody else is doing. I go to AA, they drink a lot, so I drink a lot. I get on the streets, I join a gang. I go to West Hollywood, I get a boyfriend. I mean, I do everything everybody else is doing or gets, and now I'm learning not to. That's one of the damaging things for a mentally ill person in AA is there's so many people and so many bad influences for you. If you're like an influential child who gets dared to do things, don't go to AA. That's a good point. You know, that's a very good point. And on my podcast, I try to, you know, I don't like labels and I don't like celebrations, okay? I don't celebrate anymore. And what I'm saying is what I'm tr- hope, hopefully for the next generation and generation after that is who wants, you know, we used to go to bars and if you're a drug addict, you used to hang around with crack, you know, why, why would you want to, let me get this, take this call out of here. Why would you want to um, go and be around all addicts that, that were from the streets or all alcoholics from the streets and keep on hanging in the same group of people? I wouldn't, and I still don't, you know? If you're influential to bad input, AA is not for you at all, or for anybody, because you got a lot of bad people doing a bad idea. I went there and I went to their rehab. I want to talk about rehab, can I? Yes. Okay. So I went to AA. The joke I make is I like the camaraderie, I like the spirituality, I like the recovery, and I like drinking too. So that was a problem. And they sent me to an AA, what they called an AA-based rehab. Mind you, AA is a shell game. You can never find it. It's not in the rehab. It's not in the sober living. It's not in the serenity shops. 
It's not in the big book. It's not in the meetings. Where the hell is AA? It's the P you're trying to find. And that way, legally, they don't they get away with everything. So they send me to an AA rehab, and there's talk of movie stars. We're having steak and lobster. We got a jacuzzi. I drank in there three times, and they talked about cocaine. And they made cocaine sound so good because there are a bunch of cocaine addicts going to the rehab in the 80s, remember? And so um, I get out of there. I start doing cocaine, a lot of it, because they were doing cocaine. And it's just, I look back how stupid I was, you know? I wanted to be Richard Pryor all of a sudden when I was a good student. <laughs> uh, hey, you're, you're, you're not doing all that stuff now, so you're not following. You're, you're, I learned it from them, from the AA. Yeah, right. You're, you're, you're deprogrammed from all that following stuff. That's what I'm, I'm getting, getting at. Why do we want to leave? You know, we go, we leave the bars and we leave all the clubs and then we go into a group like you're saying, Alcoholics Anonymous, and hearing all these war stories and oh, that sounds so great. It's the only place you can go where the guy that screwed up the most is the most popular, you know? And, yeah. and, and, you know, and you're attracted to that, you know, and you were talking about that, the attraction, the love well, bomb. What if the attractions is a lie? Yeah, it's, you get the guy. Oh, here's, I'll give you two scenarios. One, a guy gets up there in a three-piece suit, says he's got years of sobriety, a million-dollar business, and a wife that looks like Angela Jolie. If you want what I got, you do what I do. No, I want what you got. I'm not stupid, but if I don't want to do what you do, you're a braggart. And two, you get these young guys come in. They're lawyers. They're 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 professionals. They say, I got I got all this good job, this good wife, this good family. I go to AA. But they didn't get it from AA. They got it from a trust fund. Yeah, right. right and they right, want to right, say right. other people want what I got. Of course, you got cash. Yeah, right. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. But that's you didn't get it from AA. And these are the lighter groups that aren't as cultish, where you get these young professionals coming in a court card. They got a 502. They get into AA. They start sponsoring people, telling them, and we're not going to get what they got. We don't have that money inheritance. You okay, know? so you're so you're kind of you're kind of like. Uh, you're a mental health awareness advocate today. Yeah. You're a, you're, you're a, uh, I know you're an artist. I've seen a lot of your art, artwork, very, very good artist. And uh, you're, you're, you kind of do still some podcasting and you go to group and you're in a sober living house just because really just a place to live, really. No money, no money. Yeah, right. So I well, think I got involved with my family, a lawyer in the program, right, and started siphoning money from the family trust, and I got no money. Yeah. So, but you, it sounds like you're, 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 you're very, I consider you very intelligent. I believe we all have some form of mental illness, uh, a hypnosis, a hip, hypno, hypnosis, psychosis. We all are hypnotized by this and society and it's that's a very slippery slope you're taking there yeah we all have a little mental illness we, we all have, have we all have a little mental we, illness. Have, we all may have a little covid too but there's definitely a difference between the guy who's got it and the guy who doesn't no question no question asked you know, there, it's just like there's levels i would imagine there's some there's some uh, variation of uh, bipolar too you know the i guys can who have it have no business in aa if you say AA is good for anybody, it's not good for. How about double trouble? When I was when I was going to meet uh, years ago, years ago, years ago, they used to have meetings called Double Trouble, and well, they I started. I started a group called Dual Recovery Anonymous. I told you this. So a group called Dual Recovery Anonymous for the people who had bipolar. Basically, if you were on meds, you could get a chip. Was the whole purpose. And we had some guys come in with some serious problems, and they were getting their chips, and you knew they weren't fitting in in the regular groups because they're saying weird shit. 
but they're still going, not drinking, getting groups, which I like because drugs and alcohol, ask any psychologist, don't do you a lot of good if you got mental problems. You know, especially some of the drugs. Even weed can really fuck up a guy like me. This morning, I'm like, no. Okay, I like it. It makes you creative, but no, sorry. So we're getting chips, and then they're making fun of regular people who have maybe depressions up and going to the meetings. And um, the joke I made in the groups, I made a funny joke. That was a good joke for an AA. Was that we, we have a lot of fun. We, we get our chips, we work the steps, and we have a lot of fun when the nurses aren't looking. And that wasn't my pitch. That was a good pitch when the nurses aren't looking. And the guy, a black guy, was a basketball player. Can't say his name, but he um, walked around the coffee bar and he'd take money from his pocket to, to pay for a meeting. But because we were all on Social Security, because if we, we got no drugs because we're mentally ill, we couldn't fill the, the bus, the basket, and few people were showing, so it, so it fit, phased out. But the thing that bothered me, and I didn't see it firsthand, was they were making fun of the people who were going through the meeting at the club. Yeah. It's just, it just crossing the line. Now, I, 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 the friend Paul, my buddy, he used to go to some double trouble meetings. Okay, well, we got another five minutes. I want you to just tell the public uh, how, how they can get a hold of you. Um, can I tell, tell them about the project? Yeah, tell them about the project. Tell them about how they can get some of your artwork and stuff like that. Okay, I'm working on a three-part art project for Mental Health Awareness in which I take myself as the portrait of the mentally ill. The last one I made a lot of money out of, I did portraits of other people, watercolor, Britney Spears, Charles Dickens, Russell Brand, people who had mental illness. And so this time I took a portrait of myself in a three-part art project. One, a video documentary series, Have You Taken Your Meds, which you can find on haveyoutakenyourmedsmeme.com. Warning, it gets offensive, it gets crazy. I had a nervous breakdown halfway through it and it's just wild. I had to warn Bobby about it, who seems very open-minded. The second part is the graphic novel, which will be coming out this May. Have You Taken Your Meds, a story of my life with pictures. And then the third part is gonna be screenplay. And then I, I hate to say it, but I might do this. I might, I know where the movie stars go. So I might go to some meetings and pitch some movie stars the script. Hey, why not promote it? That's all alcohols, <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous. That's all they do is promote. They promote everywhere. They have a big but promoting. You can, find my, you can find my art and all this stuff on danjoyceart.com. All right, Dan, you, you know what? Like there me. it is, there's a t-shirt. I've seen it. So you can go to YouTube. He's, he's got a book series coming out. He's got the, 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 the all, all the sketches. Uh, he really does some good sketch work. And I think uh, you have a site where they can purchase some sketches from the site. Can I post this to my page? Uh, I Yeah, yeah. Post this here. Post this to your page and do whatever you got to do. I'm going to be sending this out on YouTube. And uh, so don't forget to subscribe to Anonymous Addiction on YouTube and come join us at Anonymous Addiction, My Truth About AA as Bobby C sees it. And a lot of people say, it's a private group. A lot of people say, why do you say Bobby C? Why do you use Bobby C? Uh, a gentleman just asked me, well, look, I used to sit in as Bill, as Bill sees at meetings. We used to go around candlelight. And I used to say, I don't, I don't really relate to this uh, Bill sees it stuff, this book, okay? It sounds too religious to me. I want to do it as Bobby C sees it. That's why, <laughs> that's, that's why I said it. And everybody should do it their own way. Create your own program. I want to see how Dan, Dan does it, okay? How, how Jill does it, how Bill does it, as uh, Johnny does it. You know, it's, it's not my program. I'm creating my own program. I'm a professional in my life's journey, and so is Dan. 
Dan Joyce, say goodbye to the audience. Bye. Everybody, there we go. Take care now, and we'll see you soon. And maybe uh, Dan could come on, and we'll do a part two with this someday. Sounds good. All right, and uh, we're over on, on the West Coast, Dan and I. Dan and I are on the West Coast, so take care, everybody. Be safe, healthy, and have a bunch of fun today, will you? Today is January 10th, 2022. Bye-bye.